a moment and pause and just share some of the discussion that the, del- the elders have been having at our elders meetings recently. Maybe you're like us. We've been noticing God moving more in our services, right? Maybe it's a little more lingering during worship. Maybe it's a, a word that someone has to bring. Sometimes it's just we're leaning into to the, to the time at the altar at the end of service, right? And that's beautiful. We, we love seeing that. So we want to make more room for that. And, and with that said, we're going to be moving now still to about a 30-minute message and a 30-minute worship, but planned service could be going an hour and 15 because we want to see God move. We don't know how, we don't know when, but we want to make room for that. So I'm telling you all that, but it's really for those over in children's ministry because you got to be driving. When you're teaching a lesson, you need to know, okay, when am I landing a lesson? And if parents show up too early or too late, you're like, ah, right? It's hard. So, so that's kind of why I share that. But, but it's exciting to see God move. Friday night, I had a family come over, three beautiful kids to get water baptized in my pool. Why? Because they were just so hungry for God. They're like, we can't wait for another water baptism. We want to be water baptized now. And I'm like, come on, we're going to do it, right? So, so we baptize people, but there's more that want to be baptized. And this is a little out of our norm. We typically have a whole service for water baptism. My clicker's not working. Um, <laughs> there we go. All right, wait a minute. Come back. So we're going to be having we're going to be having a special baptism on October first. It's not going to be the whole service. We're going to be in a new series on that Sunday. But if if God is moving in your life, if you have come to faith in Jesus, or or you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, this is a time for you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. October first. It's going to be following service. It won't be part of their service. We're going to put the tank right here. The tank you can't, you can't set up after service. We've got to set it up days in advance. The tank will be here. It'll be ready for you. But we're asking if you want to be water baptized, we want you to RSVP ahead of time at shiloh.cc. All right? There's some information to read. We're asking you to come to a class at 9 o'clock. All right? It's really important. Now, we don't want you just showing up after service. We want to give you instruction. This is a really meaningful uh, tenant and foundation of our faith. So come at nine o'clock on October 1st. We'll talk about water baptism, then we'll be doing water baptism afterwards. Make sense? All right, great. So getting back to our, our uh, secret sauce of Christianity, a study of First John, this is the last Sunday. We're finishing the book today, right? We've been, we've been doing this book all summer. It's been wonderful. So I've got some questions for you. What's the secret sauce of Christianity that God's talking about? It's Jesus. Yeah, we're back in Sunday school. Jesus is the answer for everything, right? It's Jesus. Jesus came. He died on the cross. He showed us his love. He came to free us. And it's all we need is Jesus. So the the church in the day was listening to this deception that Jesus wasn't enough, that you had to do this or you had to do that. That's That's not the truth. That's why John brought his letter to the church. So I'm curious. We've been asking, as we started this, hey, take some time, read through 1 John. How many of you have read through the whole book of 1 John? How many of you have read through it twice? Anybody three times? Four times? All right, all right, some, some are here. That's, you know, I've read through it four times. I didn't make it five. But I'll tell you, by the third and fourth time, I started to see some different themes coming out. Right? It was really impactful for me. I was, I was so blessed by that. Um, as well, we've been trying, and we had different leaders uh, putting takeaways online, one a day, 
Monday through Friday, and, and then taking a verse and trying to pray into that verse. Anybody see that on Facebook or Instagram? Yep. All right. So we tried something new. I'd love your feedback. If it was useful for you, please let us know. But this morning, I want to start by zooming out and then zooming in. So when I say zooming out, we're going to do a review of 1 John for what we've covered. And then I'm going to zoom into 1 John 5, which is uh, the last chapter in the book. The title of my message is What Stands Between You and God? Interesting question. I, I would rather have titled it something like, you know, hey, praise be to God. This is a wonderful day. No, but there's, there's business the Holy Spirit wants to do with us this morning. So I hope you've come ready to do business with God. Amen? So we're, we're looking at 1 John, an overview. And you might remember the first week we started this, we handed out these cards that kind of explain the, the book and overview. And we talked about why did John write the book of 1 John. He was an older man. Perhaps he was the only surviving apostle at the time. And he felt it was necessary to bring his personal testimony to the church to say, look, this Jesus isn't someone I just heard about. I walked with him. I knew him. I lived with him. I heard what the Father said about him at different times. And John is bringing his testimony. And Chris Daigle, I I love the way he put this when he preached. He said, it's an unfiltered message from Grandpa John. Because sometimes, you know, when you get old, you lose your filter. And you're like, hey, that's a lie. That's truth. And he just starts speaking it plainly like it is. And you're not really trying to be politically correct. So that's where John's going. He doesn't hold back. He speaks plainly about a lot of things. He was talking about deception. And he's saying, hey, there's a world's viewpoint. Watch out for it. It's not right. It's from the Antichrist. This is the truth. Go to the word of God. And he didn't hold back. So as we, as we read, I wanna, as we've been reading in 1 John, I want to cover some of the major themes. The first one was, what does it mean to live in the light? Chris brought this message. And here's the hint. If you're going to live in the light, you got to deal with your sin. And, and John says this, if you say you don't have sin, you're a liar. Right? So, so don't anybody say, oh, I don't have any sin to deal with. No, we all have sin to deal with. And John says, deal with it. Don't skirt around it. Don't make excuses for it. Deal with it. And then he tells us that if we confess our sin to God, God's not only faithful to forgive us, but he's going to cleanse us. Do you need his cleansing today? Like, that's what I want. I don't want to just be forgiven. I want to be cleansed. I don't want the sin stain on me. God, wash it off. Keep washing it with the water of the word. So when, when we see God forgive us and he cleanses us, as we're forgiven, we also need to forgive. We need to go to others and forgive. That's what it looks like to live in the light. Then we went on. How do we stay in the light? Steve brought a message from chapter 2. Right? God has given us all an anointing from the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, if you have invited Jesus into your heart and made him your Lord and Savior, you have an anointing from from God. You have an anointing of the Holy Spirit, says John, and that Spirit is there to guide us, to teach us, to help us to navigate through the various points of the world, the world's viewpoint, and then show us what's the truth of the word. Right? That's why we have an anointing, to show us that. John gave us three categories of the world system. He said they were the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So John's breaking it down in such gory detail because he's like, guys, you got a sin problem and you need to deal with it. And and he's kind of like, okay, now let's start peeling a layer of the onion. Who's got a lust of the flesh? Who's got a lust of the eyes? What's the pride of life? And And he goes into that for us so that we would go to the cross 
and we confess to God and say, God, I need your forgiveness, I need your cleansing. And we have his promise of his forgiveness and cleansing. Next, Ed brought a message on chapter three, practicing the righteousness and love of God. These weren't the titles, by the way. These are, these are my themes, so they might have had different titles. You can go on the website and, and listen to the messages. I encourage you to do that. But, but in, this, in this chapter, it talks about the Father's love for us. And Ed went and found a translation that used a word we don't use very much, but it was his love is lavish, right? Just think about that. We, we don't meditate often enough about the love of God, that how, how high, how deep, how wide it is. And how amazing, how generous God is in his love. He's lavish with his love. Ed challenged us, spend time asking God, God, show me the depth of your love for me. Then chapter three talks about, do we have hidden sin? You know, we know we all have sin, but how many of us are like, hey, here's my sins. Let me just tell them. I'm going I'm to start confessing right now. No, we hide it. But we can't hide it from God. God knows. He sees us in our innermost being. You can't hide from God. And God's like, it's okay. I know it already. Like, bring it to me. I want to release you from it. I want to forgive you from it. Bring it into the light. As he's in the light, that's what God wants us to do. And then he talks about what real love is. It's Jesus giving his life up for us. And he says, hey, if this is what love looks like, then I want you to go love the church, but don't just talk about it. Show it by your actions. Love in a uniquely genuine way as Jesus loved the church. Week after that, I brought a message on testing the spirits. This was from, from John chapter, 1 John 4, the first six verses. And John tells us, watch out for the Antichrist. Watch out for the viewpoint of the world. He encourages us not to believe everything we hear, but to test the spirits. So here, I'm speaking on a Sunday morning. Don't believe what I'm saying. Go back into God's word. Look at it for yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, is what Greg said, is it, is it the truth? Is it from the word? Or is he making it up? You should test what you hear. Whether it's online, a preacher that you're hearing, here, even here on a Sunday, we want to test the spirits. So I gave you four ways to test the spirit. Does it agree with scripture? That's number one. What's the fruit of it? Number two, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit within you. Are you feeling God give you a peace or do you have a check? And then what what does that person believe about Jesus? Do they acknowledge that Jesus is God and that he rose from the dead? John gives us that specifically because that's where the church was dealing in in that moment. So 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that lives within you than he that lives within the world. God has already won the victory, amen? Amen. All right, and last week, Josh brought a, scripture, brought a message on, on John, 1 John 4, the rest of the chapter, that says, loving others as God has loved us. Josh said, God is our source. He loved us first with an action-oriented love which propels us and produces in us a love for others. God gave us a way to him through Jesus and has a plan to complete his love in us. Did you know God has a plan for your life? It's not just what he wants to do in you, but he wants to complete his love in you. God has more love to give each one of us, and he wants to bring us to that love. One of the scriptures that I love in in chapter 4 is this one, perfect love casts out fear. Amen? That's what God's love does. It's like when you have darkness and you put on a light, what happens? There's no more darkness. 
So when God's love comes in, if you've got fear in your heart, that's the darkness of the enemy. You put on the light of Jesus, it dispels darkness. That's something we can pray into. And then lastly, in chapter 4, it talks about the love of God is, is not just for us, but it's for us to love our brothers and sisters. And God says, I'm going to hold you accountable. It's not just to talk about it. It's I'm going to hold you accountable for how you've been loving others. So that's 1 John 1 through 4. That's the zoom out. Are you ready to zoom in? All right, we, we got some good stuff to cover here in 1 John 5. I am very excited by this. I, I'm also a little nervous, all right? And sometimes when I get nervous, I laugh. So if I laugh at an inappropriate time, like I'm not laughing at what I'm saying. I'm just nervous, all right? And I'm nervous about this. God wants to speak to a lot of us. And I don't want to get caught up in my lack of communication that you're going to miss what God is saying. So I'm asking you, listen for the intent of what he's saying. Don't just listen to the words, but listen for the intent because there's a moment that God has to personalize his word for each of us. Some of us are stuck and God wants to unstuck you, right? He, he wants to break you free from the mud that you're in and wash you off and set you on the right path. This is the day for you. I want you to open up your hearts to him. Would you, would you join me as I pray before I get into 1 John 5? Father God, I, I know you got something for us this morning, Jesus. I'm excited for it. Lord, we're anticipating what you want to do. Father, go beyond what we could ask or think or imagine. But Lord Jesus, I ask that you would personalize your word by your Holy Spirit to each of us. Lord, let us know when it's for us because our heart's just pounding. We feel it. We know it. God, and there's, there's freedom that you have for us. So I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 1 John 5. There's three main themes in 1 John 5 that we're going to cover. The first one is we can overcome the world. That's verses 1 to 5. There's a truth versus deception moment that John is trying to bring clarity to, that Jesus is the Son of God. That's 6 through 12. And then he's encouraging the body. Look, I want you to know that you know that you know that you got eternal life. Right, so he's bringing that assurance. He's bringing that reassurance. So let's start with, with number one, um, 1 John 5, verse 1. We can overcome the world is the theme. And this is what it says in, in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. You know, I, I love how it starts off there that we can overcome the world, but who's the we? Right? Who's on the team? It's important for us to know who's on the team. I'm a we, right? If I'm a child of God, I'm part of the we. But you know what? If you're a child of God, you're part of the we. You're my brothers and sisters. We're all on the team. Now, I don't know about you. I got a lot of brothers and sisters. I got four sisters and three brothers. Did I get to choose them? Nope. Right? They were, I'm the youngest. They were already there. But I, even if I was the oldest, I don't get to choose who my brothers and sisters are in my family. And we don't get to choose who our brothers and sisters are in the family of God either, do we? Right? But they're still our brothers and sisters. And, and John is trying to make a point here all throughout the whole book. How you love your brothers and sisters matters to God. And now he's saying, we have overcome the world. It's the love of God. And if we know we love God's children because we love God and obey his commandments. So like how we love one another matters to him. So let's talk about when it's hard to love one another. All right. This is, this is where we're going another layer deeper. Right. What happens when a brother or sister in Christ offends me? 
What happens when I'm annoyed at another brother or sister? What happens is maybe I get offended and now I'm holding on to that offense. I'm not forgiving. That's not where God would have us go. Right? So with all the grace and love I have, if you ever have an issue with another brother or sister, here's my best advice. Go to them. Go to them. You know, we had an issue in our neighborhood recently. It was about a year ago. Um, neighbor across the street, loving the pieces. He had a lot of pine trees in his backyard. Very small yard, ton of pine trees. So we hired a logging company. I didn't know you could do this, but like logging companies will come. If you take more than 30 trees, it's free. So he had every tree in his backyard taken down. Every tree. I'm not kidding. Going on for days, right? Tree. Boom, boom, boom. He cleared the whole backyard. It's like, oh my gosh, this is, we're living in Florida. What happened here? You know, there's no trees in his yard anymore. And then he starts burning. Now it's wintertime, but as he's burning, what's happening? There's smoke, there's ash. So the neighbor next to him, across the street from me, but next to him, gets on the Facebook group for the neighborhood and starts complaining about her neighbor. And we're like, don't you know that they live right next to you? <laughs> like, why would you do that, right? So a little bit later, Meg is out talking to our neighbor, now the one right next to us, and, and the neighbor from across the street that had been complaining on Facebook comes over and just starts to comment about how annoyed she is with the trees. And, and Meg's like, well, why don't you just go talk to them? She's like, I don't even know them. How would I do that? And this is my wife. I love her to pieces. <laughs> she goes like this. <laughs> why don't you just go knock on their door? She's like, oh, I could never do that. But you know what? We're in the kingdom of God. Like, you got a problem with your neighbor? You got a problem with your brother or sister? Just go talk to them. It's okay. Like, that's what God encourages us to do. That's what we need to do. We don't need to call a friend. We don't need to do this. Or that. Just go talk to them. Who's on the team? We're on the team, beloveds and sisters. Uh, we're, we're all brothers and sisters. So as we continue in this theme of we can overcome the world, we read here in, in verse 3, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So how do we defeat the evil in the world? It says, for every child that defeats this evil world, we achieve this victory through our faith. So say it with me. Every child, every child defeats this evil world, this evil world. Through, faith. through faith. I am a child. I, am a child. I defeat this evil world this through, evil. Faith. through faith. It's not on my own. I, don't have, I can't light a candle to the evil in the world, but through faith, God has given us the victory. We can defeat the evil in this world. Now, when I say faith, there's a lot of, I talk to a lot of people during a week or a month or a year about faith. It's not a faith that there is a God. It's a faith that you have in your heart that you know your life has been changed by faith. Amen? Right? That's the difference of the faith I'm talking about. You're not going to defeat the evil one just knowing that there's a God somewhere. Maybe his name is this. Maybe No, you know there's a God when he's changed your life and you have life-changing faith. And, and you know what? As you, as you come to God, he changes your life. Maybe not your circumstances. Maybe your car is still a beat-up car. Maybe you still don't like your job. But you know what? God changes your life. But now you've got a different attitude about your car. You've got a different attitude about your job. And that's how God works. So I've mentioned this concept about let the word of God interpret the word of God. What do I mean when I say that, 
right? It, it says if you, if you see something about faith here, what else does God have to say in his word about faith? So let's just take a pause for a moment, right? Hebrews eleven sixteen tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? Hebrews 12 says us, where does faith come from? Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. So whenever I pray to put on the armor of God, right, where it tells us the shield of faith, it's not my faith I'm asking to be my shield. I got puny faith. Jesus, you're the author and finisher of my faith. I'm holding you up as my shield, Jesus. You're the one that I want as, as I'm, uh, the enemy's darts are coming. Romans 10 tells us this, that faith comes by hearing and that by the word of God. So do you want to grow in your faith? Spend more time in the word. That's how we grow in our faith, as, as we take the word and we get it on the inside of us. How much faith does it take for God to answer my prayer? Right? Do I, do I have to, like, keep growing in faith and growing in faith and growing in faith before I'm able to pray and say, God, would you move this mountain? No. See, when we look and to see what else God's word has to say, Matthew tells us, if you, if you have faith as little as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. So a couple of weeks ago in the Shiloh News, I shared this statement that I felt like God had dropped into my heart in a prayer time we were having. And it was this. It takes faith to believe the promise of God. It doesn't take any faith to believe the lie of the enemy. Some of us are believing the lie of the enemy. We haven't, we haven't used faith to say, God, this is what your word says. I'm going to believe it. So now I want to personalize it for a minute. I believe like this is for someone. Here's an enemy's lie. God's not answering my prayer because I don't have enough faith. If you've ever felt that, like I want to shine the light of the Holy Spirit on that right now, a big spotlight and dispel the darkness. That's not what God is saying. He's saying, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be removed into the sea, and it would happen. Nothing is impossible. So what are you not praying about? What are you saying, God, I don't know if I have enough faith. No, you have enough. If you have faith, you have enough faith. Go to God, be bold. Now, I'm not telling you God answers every prayer with a yes, right? Sometimes there's no, sometimes there's wait a while, right? Those are also legit answers, but we only want, God's only answering my prayer if it's yes. No, God answers with different ways. But go to God in faith, go to God boldly, and let's start praying for big things, right? Pray for God to do the impossible. It's one thing if I'm praying, God, would you bless this person with food? And then I pull up my credit card, buy him some food, and God doesn't need my credit card. Like, when I start praying prayers that Visa can't answer and MasterCard can't touch, now I know God showed up, right? Because there's nothing that, that possibly could have happened if it wasn't for God showing up. And we're seeing things like that. So how do we defeat the evil in this world? What are you praying for? Put your faith in God. Have bold faith. God's the author and finisher of our faith. So that's the first theme. We can overcome the world. Second theme, truth versus deception. Jesus is the son of God. And John's addressing some false doctrine of the day uh, when, when he's coming in these verses. So I'm just going to read it starting in verse 6. And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross. Not by water only, but by water and the blood. And the spirit who is truth confirms it with his testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God as God has testified in his son. 
I'm going to go on here, verse 9. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about his son. All who believe in the son know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. And this is what God has said. This is what God has testified. He's given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. So John's getting into the weeds, guys. He's going into the water, the blood, and the spirit. And this is what he's trying to say. There was a false doctrine of the day that said that Jesus was only the son of God from the moment he got baptized and God said, this is my beloved son, to the moment on the cross before he died when he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? So he wasn't God when he died. We know that's not right. We see the rest of the word, but that's what the deception was. And John is like, no, we have the water as a witness. When, when Jesus got baptized, what happened? God said, this is my beloved son. We have when he died on the cross. Man, right after he died, remember the story? There was an earthquake. The temple, in the, the, the temple had the veil uh, ripped from top to bottom, showing that there's access into the Holy of Holies, that Jesus provides that access. But then we have the witness of the Spirit. The witness of the Spirit is Jesus said, hey, I'm not leaving you alone. After I leave, I'm going to send someone. Who was he sending? He was sending the Spirit. And he said, wait in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And they waited in Jerusalem. And then Pentecost happened. So there's the witness of the Spirit. So John's talking to him about the water, the blood, and the Spirit. That's what he's trying to say. He's addressing the deception of the day. So then he ends with this powerful statement. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. You see a lot of gray in that statement? No, I kind of see like, you know, it's a one or a zero if you know computer language, right? It's binary. There's just two choices. You either got the son and you have life or you don't have the son and you don't have life. Which one are you? Which one are me? Do I have the son? Do I have life? Or do I not have life? We can all have life. And that's where he goes in this next segment, giving us the assurance of eternal life. So now I want to just break it down verse by verse, right? Assurance of eternal life. Verse 13 says, I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. I I love when I get to do funerals because people are thinking about eternity when there's a casket laid out in front of them. We don't often think enough about eternity and what's happening after this world, right? A lot of us were caught up in, oh, I got to go do this. I got to go do this. I got to buy that. I got to do No, what are you running around for? We're not on, this isn't our home. Earth is not our home. We're looking forward towards heaven. And John wants us to know there's a day coming that he's, the, Jesus is going to come back. He's calling for his bride and we're all going to meet him in the air. We all have eternal life. That's what John wants us to know. Verse 14, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Wow, that's amazing. 15, and since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we know that he will give us what we ask for. So how do I know if I'm asking according to God's will? How do you know? Here's a great rule of thumb. Pray the word of God. Because if it's in God's word and you're praying it, that's his will because it's his word. So here's an example. Perfect love casts out all fear. But I'm filled with fear. Jesus, I'm looking at your word. It says perfect love casts out all fear. God, turn your love 
up in my life. Just put the light of your love in my heart so much that there's, there's no room for fear. God, I'm giving you my anxiety. I'm giving you my fear. I'm asking for that love to flood me right now. In Jesus' name, amen. I just prayed the word of God. I prayed God's will. God's going to give me what I'm praying for. Maybe I got to pray it day after day after day. Remember when Dave Hutchings got up here and gave his testimony? He said, God gave him a mountain and said, I'm going to move this mountain and then handed Dave a shovel. And he's like, one shovel at a time, God is moving this mountain, and I'm seeing it come to pass in my life. So sometimes we're looking at, God, you got to do it all in one time. No, maybe God's giving you a shovel. And you just got to start standing on his word, praying his word, believing his word, and you're going to see a change happen from the inside out. The assurance of eternal life continues in verse 18. John continues to hammer this this message. We know that children do not make a practice of sinning for God's son holds them. God's son holds them securely and the evil one cannot touch them. He keeps giving us this, this theme over and over again about sin and about eternal life. But here's the deal. The enemy's a legalist. If you want the enemy not to be able to touch you, you gotta be walking right before God. And, and here's a message for some of us. We're dealing with way too much junk in our lives because we've left the door open to the enemy. And we don't even know it. And how do you know if you've left the door open? You know what? You can leave the door open through sin that you've committed and you've not confessed. Do you make a habit every day of going to God saying, God, you know what? I blew it today. Here's where I blew it. Here's where I blew it. Here's where I blew it. A lot of times right after I blow it, I say something dumb. I want to go to God and say, God, I'm dumb again. Would you forgive me for what I said? I didn't mean for it to come out that way. Or I got angry, God. That driver went by and I'm like, why do I do that? I don't know why I do that. It just comes up. And I'm sorry, Lord. I'm so- like, confess your sin to God. But you know what? Sometimes there's a sin that it's not something we've done. It's something we haven't done. And this is what I'm talking about here. You get offended and you choose not to forgive. Well, I, I, I'm never going to talk to that person again. They said something and I don't like what they said. They're dead to me. You know what? They might be dead to you, but they're affecting you over and over and over again because you left the door open in the spirit through unforgiveness and the enemy's like, foot's in the door. Now, he can come in and start to drive a train wreck through your life. And some of us wonder, why am I dealing with all this stuff? Did you shut the door to the enemy yet? Or you still got unconfessed sin? You still have something else that you haven't shut the door to the enemy. This is the word of God for us saints. If you're dealing with junk... Ask yourself, God, is there something I need to confess? Now, I'm not saying that there's a cause and effect in everything in life. Sometimes you get a flat tire. It's not the enemy. You just waited too long to replace your tires. Like, come on. Right? But then there's times where, like, you got to look with spiritual eyes and see, boom, 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 boom. God, is there sin in my life? Is there something I need to confess? Like, that's a reasonable question we should ask. But when we're walking rightly before God, the evil one can't touch us. Don't leave the door open. Verse 19, we know that we're children of God and the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Like, this is legit. The world we live in is controlled by the evil one. That's what it's saying. So we see a lot. We hear a lot. Don't buy everything. Don't believe everything you hear. Go back to God's word. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we can know the true God, and now we can live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He's the only true God, and he's eternal life. So John is bringing it all back together again. Hey, the secret sauce, guys, is Jesus. 
So now I want to bring us to the last verse of the chapter. Chris, if we could have the worship team come up. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Anything. Now, he's not talking to the unsaved. He's talking to the believer. So as believers, we can be walking, and there can be something between us and God. Because that's, that's the advice he's given us. Hey, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. So what are some of those things, right? First is, have we made a choice to live for God or for this world, right? And it's binary, as we, we spoke before, and, and maybe there's some here this morning. You don't know if you've made a choice. If you haven't, if you don't know that you've made a choice for God, then you haven't made the choice yet. There's going to be a time here at the altar, right? We're going to go back into that. I'll come to the altar. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never prayed to receive him as your Lord and Savior, I want you to come. There's going to be people here to pray with you. Let today be your day. You settle. Where am I going to go for eternity? I know I'm going to heaven because I, I gave my life to Jesus. For some of us, we're our believers. But now I'm asking, what stands between you and God? And maybe it's a sin that you've got to confess, or maybe it's a distraction that just is kind of, over time, you know what, I'm a little more caught up with work. I'm not praying anymore. You know what, I'm on social media a lot. I'm in this really cool game, and I just want to get to the next level, and I find myself playing it over and over and over again. What's distracting us? What's standing between you and God? Could today be the day where you've got to say, God, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to bring it to you. God, I need freedom. I want you. I want more of you in my life. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? As we sing this song, just once through or so, I'm inviting you. Prayer team, come down. If if God is speaking to you, come down right now. We're going to pray with you. Let's just go into this song for a little bit, then I'll close us in prayer. Come on. God's speaking to you. Now's the time. Come to the altar. Thank you, Jesus. Welcome to
because it says in the word, one puts a thousand to flight and two put 10,000 to flight. You understand what I'm saying? Right? You're putting a thousand to flight, but there's 5,000 coming against you. You need to agree with another person in prayer. Come now, agree with someone in prayer, seek God change and move in your life. Today could be a day you free us of the things that we need to be freed of, God. Lord, I thank you for each one that's here. Lord, each one online listening to this message. God, I, I know that you've called us into freedom. You've called us into the light. And I pray that we can, we can respond to you, Holy Spirit. So bless your people today, God. Minister your peace. Minister your love. Minister your life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to keep going through this song. If you want to come to the altar, feel free to come, but service is dismissed. Thank you.